Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to your house this morning. We are thankful to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, to be together. Thankful for an opportunity to worship. Quiet our hearts this morning, Lord, that we might hear your voice. As we look at your word, we might apply it to our lives. That, Lord, we might be changed. Not on our own, but as of, because of you. Guide our thoughts even at this moment, Lord. That our actions might reflect who you are in our lives. As we look at your word, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is from the first chapter of Mark. And this is, uh, for most theologians and historians, the first account of Jesus. It's the earliest, most would say that this was the earliest written uh, of the Gospels, and the others would come and fill in the gaps. It was written to the Gentiles, so we don't have to deal with the long genealogy um, that comes at the beginning of Matthew. We don't have all those pieces because it would have been less important to the Gentiles of that day. He skips all the fluff. If you've ever read Mark, he's very direct as a, as a writer. It's pretty much, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. And it tends to be, it is the shortest. And it comes on the heels of 400 silent years. 400 years, God didn't speak to the Israelites. He was working in the background, Things were going on. He was fulfilling prophecy, but he hadn't spoken to the Israelites. And I don't know about you, but that's a long time. That's almost twice as long as we've had a constitution in America. And that seems like an extremely long time. 400 years is a long time for God to be silent. So let's read this passage, uh, verses Mark chapter 1, 1 through 11. It says, In the beginning of the gospel... Excuse me, let me start over. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to Him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by Him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. 
After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, He saw heaven being torn open and a spirit descending on Him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are My Son, whom I love. With You I am well pleased. May God add His blessing to the reading of the Word this morning. So this, we're again this week looking at some things that are new, since it's January and new tie, new tie. No, not a new tie. I don't have any new ties, Kenny. I haven't seen those. Oh, okay. It's new to you. So, all right. So I have my new tie on today. <laughs> For Kenny, anyway. <laughs> so that's right. It is January and. Uh, I bet a few of us have still hung on to our New Year's resolutions, right? Probably a few. I probably shouldn't. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't, I don't really want to know. Because I'm betting that most of us have already, it's gone. I'll do it again next year, we tell ourselves, right? I'll do it again next year. I'm going to exercise better next year. So we're looking at some, uh, some things that are new in Scripture, and, and I hope you remember last week, we talked about uh, Genesis chapter 3, where God creates this beautiful creation called Eden, and He puts Adam and Eve in it, and so quickly it gets messed up. Sin comes in there and messes it up, and yet God's mercy overwhelms that moment. By sacrifice, you remember that he sacrificed an animal that they, he might have relationship again with Adam and Eve. That he might keep that relationship. And so last week we talked about God's mercy being new. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about God's mercy. Not God's mercy. We're going to talk about God's hope. Maybe I'm going to. Ah, there it goes. Okay, Hope. There we go. Got to fix, Kenny. So, I don't know about you, but 400 years is a really, 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 really long time. I think 400 seconds is a really long time. And for, your ma- for those mathematicians, Gene Vogt is not here, but he would know in a second how many minutes that is, because that's the kind of guy he is. That's six minutes, less than seven minutes. If I were to stop talking for seven minutes... And we just stood here. I stood here and you guys just sat there. It would get pretty awkward pretty quickly. I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time with silence. I have a hard time when nothing's happening, nothing's going on. I can't see it. And 400 years, it boggles my mind. So many things happen in those 400 years. Now, God was working in the background. He was working. He was fulfilling prophecies as they went. But 400 years is a long time. And I don't know about you, but I would struggle. I would struggle in a relationship where I hadn't heard from the other person for 400 years. You? 
Some of us would be like, no, nope, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I'll let you know when I need you to talk. <laughs> Those are the introverts in the, in the group, right? The introverts are saying, yeah, we're good with that. 400 years, let me know when, you're, when you want to talk, we'll talk. The extroverts are like, no, we're going to die. We can't handle it, right? But God speaks, and he speaks in a very powerful way. He speaks by sending this man, John. Now, there's this moment, there has to be this moment of anticipation for the Israelites when they hear about this man, John, this baptizer who's going through the, through the wilderness. And, and, I, I, and, and in their mind, they've got to be remembering the, the scripture from Isaiah 40 that says, there'll be one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And when they hear about John baptizing and coming in the wilderness... It has to trigger in their mind that the Savior, the Messiah, it's coming. You know that anticipation, right? It's like Christmas when you're a kid. I think I may have told you my Christmas story. If I haven't told you, my parents are here to vouch that it's true. When I was a kid, the anticipation for Christmas was so huge that I couldn't handle not finding the presents. And I don't know how old I was. You'll have to ask them. But I was just a little kid. I wasn't all that old. But I was kind of mechanically inclined. So my parents had to hide the presents because I could find them in the closets. That was easy, right? So they found, they had this room. We had this little room up in the attic. And, and it, was just, it was just a short door. It was about this big. It was, it was narrow. And they put a lock on that door because <laughs> I found the presents the first time. So they put a lock on that door. Keep bad kids out. But my anticipation was bigger than their lock. (laughs) And if you don't know anything about old hinges, they're not that hard to take apart. And so at the ripe old age, I don't know. You'll have to ask them. It it was less than probably seven or eight. I don't know. I may have been a little older. I don't remember. (laughs) I figured out that if you took a little screwdriver and you carefully, ding, 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 you could take those hinges out. Every ounce, yeah. <laughs> the problem, Kenny, was that I didn't think it through. I chipped the paint. The paint was on there, had been painted, and it was all sealed. So they, it didn't take them very long. My, you know, they don't have to be CSI to figure out that someone had taken the hinges apart. Hmm. I wonder who that was, right? And I think the threat was, we're going to take all your presents back and you aren't getting anything. I don't know. I don't know. You'll have to ask them. I remember it. That's the way I remember it. It was almost traumatic, you know. No! (laughs) Anticipation. It's one of those things that we get really excited about. You know, when our kids kids were all home uh, for seven days, and they were all home together. Now, that doesn't sound that exciting until you don't see your kids for a whole year. So when they come home... And you put them all in one spot. I never, I never realized when my kids, people, when you have young kids, enjoy that time. Because there will be a moment when you no longer have them all in the same spot at the same time. And that's a challenge uh, as you get older. But my wife, for months, we made plans. And she had goals. And there was, we're going to do this. And we're going to get this together. And all the kids will be together in one spot. And we're going to put... We're going we're gonna to get pictures taken. I don't know if you saw our pictures this week. 
It really was eight degrees. We were standing in the middle of Prindle Road. But the pictures are nice, right? <laughs> Freezing is temporary. Frostbit toes, that's temporary. Pictures are forever. <laughs> and I don't know if you know Robin Kibby, but she's game all day long, right? We did, I think we had to tell her we were froze to death because she'd have still been taking pictures. She loves it, she's, and she does a great job. Oh, the, white, the boss has them. <laughs> That's true. I, should have, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anticipation. Just so you guys know that I'm not a wimp, there were 142 pictures taken. Eight degrees, kids. Jeans and sneakers and a T-shirt and a coat that makes me look cool. So my wife says. They didn't let you wear your hunting gear. They didn't let me. No. I should have worn my long johns. I think some of them had long johns underneath, but I, I was okay. But the anticipation was like, my wife didn't sleep for three days. In the middle of the night. She's like, hey. So just so you guys know how. I'm just going to give you a little more insight of how this goes. So normally I just go to bed and she watches TV and I go to sleep and I'm snoring in like three minutes. So I'm I'm tired because it's Christmas time. That's what happens when you're, it's Christmas time. So I'm tired. And my wife, hey, what? Oh, what are we going to do about, you know, and then she goes on and it gets quiet again. And I'm, I, I, I know I'm snoring at one of these times. I think I'm snoring. Hey, we need to deal with this. Finally, the third time, I'm like, it's 10 o'clock, dude. We need to go to sleep. She said, I'm too excited. I can't handle it. They're going to be home in two days. Sleep? We don't need no sleep. You guys didn't realize that my wife prayed for four feet of snow. <laughs> I didn't realize it either until after it happened. Here's the deal. When you make four feet of snow and you bring kids from California and South Carolina that don't longer have to drive in it, they're all stuck in one place. It's like jail. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. I was tired of seeing the stinking kids. Send them back home, right? Not my wife. She's like, yeah, let it snow. I, I swear she was praying over that snow. We're all going to be together. And we, truth be known, we spent a lot of time together. <laughs> it was great. But that anticipation, it was so exciting when it actually came uh, true. It was fun to see my kids together, to enjoy that moment. And I think the Israelites, they anticipated that, that this Messiah would come. And yet, they spent a lot of time that didn't happen. And at one moment, John shows up, preparing the way for the Messiah. And Scripture uh, in the Old Testament talks about it, the, this man of Israel who will make a new covenant. This Jesus who will make a new covenant. Malachi 3.1 says, that the Lord, um, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Another prophecy fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. What an exciting moment in the life of the church. The anticipation of 400 years comes to fruition. And this Jesus is about to start his ministry.
know if you had a chance to watch, if you watch ABC, I don't like the news, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of the news, but if, you're, if you play it right and don't turn it on to like six, like five minutes to the end of it, it's usually pretty good for the last five minutes. I didn't know, if, if you didn't know that, it's all political garbage at the beginning and tragedy, and then at the last five minutes, we're going to tell you something good and make you feel good before we leave, right? Well, this last Friday, there was this, ABC has the person of the week. I don't know if you ever watched that. I... I I kind of like it because it makes me feel like, yeah, there's hope in the world. It's not all dead and it's not all bad and it's, there is some good. There's a, in Detroit, there was a, a homeless uh, family, a mom. That's the mom and the son. He's eight years old. And, uh, and Darius is eight years old and they were homeless for six years because she lost her job. They would go from shelter to shelter, trying to find something stable, but not ever able to find something stable. They finally got, and, and, and the, the backlog of trying to find uh, public housing is so bad that it took them six years from the moment they got, were homeless to actually having a place to stay. Think about that. Now, we're not talking about South. We're talking about Detroit. They get snowed too. Six years. This young man was eight years old. He spent more than, than three, three quarters of his life being homeless. And they finally got this place to stay. And they showed pictures of the house. The house had literally a beanbag chair and like two blankets and a pillow because they had nothing. They had no furniture. They didn't own anything. They were, they were without. But they had a warm place to stay. And that was enough. Well, there's this uh, nonprofit in Detroit. It's called uh, Home uh, Home Furniture. I can't. Ah, dang it! I can't remember the name, and I didn't write it down. Anyway, there's a there's a, there's a nonprofit where they take used uh, furniture and those kind of things, and they furnish these houses. They furnish three houses a week. That's about the average of where they're what they're doing right now. Anyway, so this group went in. And they furnished this house with nothing extravagant. They furnished it with a bed, a mattress, and a box spring, uh, a nightstand with a lamp, uh, a few posters on the wall, uh, nothing extravagant. Anyway, the way the video goes, they show this young man who walks in to this room, and he's absolutely blown away because this is the place where the beanbag chair was uh, and a blanket, and that's what he had lived on. And at that moment, uh, when he finally, it, it triggered in his mind that this is my new home. This is my new place, and these are my, that's my bed. And he was overcome by, by the emotions of someone who cared enough to make a difference in his life. His hope in life was restored at that very moment. That he realized, you know what? Someone does care. Someone will make a, someone made a difference in my life. And I'll be willing to bet that in, in time that he will make a difference in someone else's life because of that. And I don't know where you're at this morning. And the Connect card says, life is feeling hopeless and I need hope today. And I'd be willing to bet that there's someone who's feeling exactly that today. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus can make that difference, that hope in your life. He can make that difference in your life to change not all the circumstances, 
but to change the way that you see those circumstances. Just like this young man's life was changed, flipped upside down by someone else, someone else's generosity, Jesus wants to do that in our own life. He wants us to realize that who He is and make the changes in our own life to find that hope. The second thing that, uh, that is new in this passage is there's a new baptism. And John talks about two different baptisms, right? A baptism of water and a baptism of the Spirit. He says, this baptism of water, I'll do that baptism and it'll cleanse you. And, and you know, we, we're Baptist, right? Yay, Baptist. Because we, we see the value in going under the water. And if you haven't been baptized and you don't know what that means in your own life, I want to encourage you to think and pray over that. It's, I'm going to tell you right now, I always tell the young, when, I, when I talk to young people about being baptized, I tell them, There's not, it's not magic water. right? It's not like we have some kind of magic potion we put in there and put a drop of magic water in there. It's not. But it's a matter of saying, God... I want to be cleansed by you. I want to show the world that you make a difference. And for a lot of us, that, for, for some that's scary, I don't want to get in front of people. I don't want to have to talk about my faith. I don't want to share that. God says, it's not that hard to follow me, right? It says In Scripture, I'm reminded of that Scripture, he says, take up your cross, follow me. He gives us a story. And I want to encourage you this morning. You're going to see this picture every week. I'm going to figure out how to use it every week. If you don't remember what it was for last week or if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to look around in your pew, to look in the pew, the people beside you, in front of you, behind you. And I want to encourage you, challenge you, to find someone you don't know or don't know their name and encourage them. And if they're not there, I want you to figure out ways to encourage them, to find out where they're at. There's a, this is a moment in time in this church where we're going to need to step it up. We're going to need to step it up and see where our people are. Encourage our people. This is an opportunity to do that. And so last week I said, and I'll say it again, since I already said it, it's not going to be awkward. You can just pretend like you don't know anybody's name, right? And you can introduce yourself. And you can meet someone new, maybe someone who sits on the other side. And say, you know what? God, God loves you and I just want to encourage you today. Maybe it's someone you're going to meet in the hall. Maybe it's someone in your Sunday school class. If you're not a part of a Sunday school class, I encourage you to be a part of the Sunday school class. And Sunday school class is great accountability. It's great encouragement on the hard, dark days. It's the moment in time where we can have someone here on earth who cares about us and knows our lives and wants to encourage us. And I don't want you to just say, hey, this is who I am. But I want you to begin to think about your story. If you are a believer in Christ, 
you have a testimony. And everybody says, oh my gosh, a testimony. That's a, that's a really big word, and only churchy people do that. I want to I share with you the idea of a testimony. Testimony is just simply this. Me before God. God and me after God, right? Me before God is pretty ugly. It's pretty dark. I did it my way. I walked the path that I'm not really proud of. And then I met God. At some moment in time, if I'm a believer in Christ, I met God. Somewhere. Someone told me about God. Someone shared me with me about God. I read Scripture and understood who God was. And finally, me after God is a part of my life. Who am I now because God is in my life? Who am I now because I've been changed? Who was I before? Where did God come in? And who am I now? It's just that simple. And church, if we're not willing to share our testimony and our faith here, sure as heck aren't going to do it out in the middle of Walmart. And we sure as heck aren't going to do it in the middle of our office. If we're not willing to share the difference that God makes in our life, people are going to figure out pretty quick that it's not all that important. Just for one moment, think about someone in your own life who changed your life by the way that they lived. I think about those people in my life who made a difference. Was it because of what they said? I can't tell you what they said. But I know what they did. I know they lived their life the way God would have them live their life. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. But they knew who God was. They knew that God changed them. And they walked differently afterwards. And if you have not experienced that, you have that opportunity this morning. Today could be that moment where you meet God. And I don't know about you, but that gives me the, it, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Today could be the moment where you walked in me before God. Today is, I meet God. And tomorrow's me after I met God. If you haven't made that decision, you're going to have an opportunity to come to the altar this morning at the end. And I want to encourage you that if you haven't made that decision in your life. See, I think the problem with Christianity is sometimes we just aren't able to see that it makes a difference. We see a lot of people who talk about being believers in Christ, but we don't see any action. My God is a God of action. My God is a God who changes lives. He changes people's lives. He takes the dark and dirty and wrong, and he makes it right. That's the God we serve. I want to encourage you to think about your testimony. Be willing to share it. We have some unbelievably powerful testimonies in this congregation. I've known a guy for 20 plus years, and he just retired, and he's a big hunter, and great man. I've spent a ton of time at a camp with him. He started a new ministry. He feels really called to share his testimony. And I had a chance this week to read it. He lives in Grove City, so I, don't, I only see him a couple times a year. But we keep in contact. He actually came to the Chili Cook-Off last year, which was really cool. Anyway, 
he had a chance to put his testimony on, on Facebook this past week, and I had no idea. I've known this guy for 20 years, and I had no idea where his faith had taken him in life. I had no idea of the things that, that had happened to him. I knew his, he had some broken relationships, but I didn't know why. I didn't know what had happened. And when I read that, I was just blown away how God had moved him from place to place to place. Was it all perfect? No. Was it all happy and easy? And No, not at all. But I was able to hear that story and to realize that God had worked in his life from the very beginning and worked through his life. And I want to encourage you to share your story. It doesn't have to be about drugs and alcohol and all those things. Someone needs to hear your story. Encourage someone with your story. And finally, the, the last couple verses talks about a new direction. Jesus goes under the water, is baptized, and heaven comes down. Right, Heaven is torn open. The Spirit comes upon Him. And at that very moment, there's a new direction. This is when Jesus begins his, his ministry. His ministry of, uh, to share with people who he is. You may remember the parable. Parable of the prodigal son. I like this picture because it's, it's the new version, right? And the prodigal son comes out of... Uh, Chapter 15 of Luke. And it's about a young man who has decided that he no longer wants to be a part of his family. He wants his inheritance. He wants to walk away. He wants to do his own thing. And he tells his parents, his father, I just want my part. I want my half. Give me my half. I'm out of here. And so the father gives him his half. And he goes and he does his thing. He does his own thing. Riotous living, I think is what it says in King James. He does his thing. Runs himself out of money. Has to have a job. He's feeding the pigs, it says. Starving to death. And at some moment in this, he realizes that I'm better off going home and being a servant for my father. I'm better off than... Now, think about that for a moment. This is a young man who took his father's money or took his inheritance and blew it. And he has to come back. And yet, he does. And the Scripture says that even when he was far off, the Father saw him. And when he saw him, he was excited. And they killed the fatted calf. And they were excited because this knew what was dead was alive. For all the father knew his son had died. He didn't know where he went. He didn't know what he was doing, where he was at in life. The prodigal returned. The song at the beginning, I don't know if you know that song. It's a rather, actually a rather new song. Uh, David Crowder. Uh, the, the, the song is called All My Hope. And I had a chance to... Uh, the power of YouTube. There is technology is good sometimes. 
But David Crowder talks about how that song came to be, where it came from. And I don't know if you if you ever listen to David Crowder, I think he's one of those guys um, that just fights against the contemporary music. He he fights with with absolutely deep lyrics and well thought out ideas, and uh, love his music for that reason. I think he's really um, got a hand on God in that way. Um, anyway, he talks about the this song and how where it came about. And he says, you know, I got invited. My band got invited to a prodigal party. And he goes on to tell us tell the story that the prodigal party is a party. Or what, he didn't even know what it was. He said, "I don't know. We were just going to go play some music. I didn't really know what it was really about." Here, this young this man Wilson had been in jail for twenty six years, and Wilson had broken every relationship in his life. Every relationship in his life was messed up. But in the midst of his jail time, he found Jesus. And he began to rebuild those relationships, one after the other. He put a ton of time and energy. What else is he going to do in, in prison, right? He begins to rebuild all these relationships. And 26 years later, he gets out. And Crowder and his band and some other people were there to play music for when this Wilson came through the door. He said, I felt like... Uh, a." a uh, NBA basketball star. He said, we got us in a line, and we all come, we're going to rush right out. And um, he said, it was exciting. But he said, you know, I saw this moment in time where Wilson had broken all these relationships, and yet Jesus had rebuilt all those relationships in his life. And he said, that song, that, that lyric came to mind, all my hope is in Jesus. Wilson knew, Crowder knew, that there was nothing that was going to fix broken relationships like Jesus could fix broken relationships. And he knew that. And his hope was in Jesus because he knew that that was the only thing that was going to fix that problem. We're going to finish up with a song here in a few minutes. More love, more power, more of you in my life. And I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where Jesus fits in your life today. But I want to encourage you that you have the moment at this very moment in this morning to come up, to share your life with this Jesus. To think about where I was, God, and where I'm going. And if you haven't made that decision, you can know all about God and still not have experienced God. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you this morning. We are thankful for your word. Lord, I am thankful for the new hope that came through Jesus. What an exciting moment in time, Lord, that we would see a new Messiah who came and, Lord, who would change the world. History was flopped on its head. Lord, we... We thank you for this newness that comes through you. Lord, we thank you for the hope. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who's feeling hopeless. Lord, I pray that you would challenge their hearts to come find you. Lord, you, you, you remind us in your scripture that if we seek you, you promise we will find you. Lord, may we find you in a powerful way this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.